Day two of Streak Week here on the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. And up next will be episode 157 with Mike Heart Suck. You'll get to hear that episode in just a moment. Just for those that haven't heard, this is Streak Week here, which means we have eight days of eight new episodes, a new episode each and every day. We have done that from the previous episode with Jacob Wise, and we'll do that until episode 163 with Matt Sexton. Definitely looking forward to releasing all these episodes. Eight great interviews, and I think you're going to enjoy each and every one of them. So without further ado, we'll send it off to the episode, but not before we have a couple words from our new network partner in 12 Ounce Sports. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about MyBookie. Since 2014, it's the place where you can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime. Get up to $1,000 on your first deposit bonus. Use the promo code 120ZSports. As well as sports betting, you can play some casino games, take in some live odds in Madden 20 and NBA 2K20, and even bet with Bitcoin. Visit mybookie.ag and use that promo code 12OZSports. That's 12OZSports. MyBookie, the industry's most rewarding loyalty program. 12-Ounce Sports. Visit us at 12OunceSportsRadio.com. On episode 157 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, our special guest is Mike Hartsock, Longtime sports anchor of WHIO Channel 7, Dayton CBS affiliate. We're talking local sports in a career that spans several decades. Stay right there. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mallon. On the phone right now is Mike Hartsock. You might know him from WHIO-TV, Channel 7, the CBS affiliate in Dayton. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good, Lee. How about you? I'm all right. Uh, just wishing sports were back. Yeah, you and me both. I uh, I spent six to eight weeks, I guess it is, uh, after uh, covering news, basically, rather than sports, after I flew up uh, on March 12th to New York to cover Dayton in the Atlantic 10 tournament. I was there that morning at the arena when they called off the tournament and uh, did my stories that day, changed my flight, came back the next morning, and uh, I basically haven't been in place since, except uh, here in my office and uh, working from home, but covering news for the most part. Well, at least you're staying busy through all this. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the important thing. Yeah, and the things are slowly starting to come back. I mean, uh, I I like everybody else am a am a bit perplexed that baseball is is doing what they're doing, but I think uh, I don't know if you would have asked me two weeks ago what the beer baseball season, I would have told you yes. 
<laughs> if you ask me now, I I think that most of us, you know, I'm not sure if I'm in the minority or the majority here. Frankly, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm at a point where I don't care anymore. I'm tired of millionaires and millionaires arguing over money. And uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that I'll watch it if it comes, but I, I'm not going to be too interested in a 50-game season. I understand that. And plus, the fact is they're talking about Major League, but about the minor leagues since, you know, I work with the Dragons. Yeah. Yeah, the minor league's not going to happen. I mean, that's that's just a that's a given. There is no, there's not going to be a minor league season, and uh, it's it's a it's an unfortunate thing, but uh, but it is something that uh, that's just not going to happen because you know unlike unlike the major leagues, who can make money by holding games with no fans in the stands, the minor league teams can't. You know, they there's they don't have big TV contracts that uh, that are going to pay them to to put games on TV. So their money is made with people in the stands, and and that's just not going to happen this year. It's a shame, but what can you do? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Mike, where are you from? I'm from Waynesville. Um, you know, originally, uh, I, I've been lucky enough that. Uh, you know, my whole 43-year career total has been uh, within a half hour of, of where I grew up. So I, I, when I got out of college, I went to Eastern Kentucky. When I got out of college, I got a job in Middletown at WPFB Radio, and I was doing – I was reporting, reporting news in, in Warren County, and I started doing play-by-play for them because back in the day, WPFB in Middletown did – they did play-by-play of everything. If it moved, they did play-by-play. We did. Uh, I mean, I did. I did slow pitch softball. I did soapbox derby. I did. I did a little bit of everything at, at PFB, and then I came up here and, and got the got started radio for a year here, and then moved over to TV. And I've I've been here for forty-one years. So, not only is it miraculous that you got a career just about 30 minutes away from your hometown of Waynesville, but you've been here for 40 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's odd in my, in, in, in this side of the business, you know, the TV side, people move a lot because they want to move up markets. They want to test themselves. And, you know, I've been lucky that, that, uh, you know, when I when I was a kid growing up, we used to watch Channel Seven. I mean, I'd come home and my dad would come home from work, and and we'd all sit there at the dinner table, and and you know, in the other room, there'd be Don Wayne, you know, on TV, and so that was that was what I grew up watching, and so when I when I came here and I got to work with Don Wayne and Jim Baldridge, that was that was just the coolest thing in the world to me, and it's 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 one of those things that, you know. I've never really wanted to go anyplace else. I've had a couple of offers to go different places, but nothing nothing was just going to be good enough that it was going to take me away from here. And you mentioned Jim Baldridge. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to get into broadcasting because I remember as a kid watching him on the news. And Yeah. I mean, you're still there. Har- um, not Hartsock, sorry. You're Hartsock. Uh, Baldridge retired uh, – few years back now but yeah it's been about, it's been about 10 years now since since jim uh, retired he's down in florida he's down in fort myers uh fort myers naples there um enjoying his retirement that's crazy 10 years ago yeah wow. mm-hmm. now you mentioned watching channel 7 when you were young but what was the exact moment you said hey i want to be a broadcaster well it was 
it was my uncle that got me involved in it. My uncle, uh, Jim Hartsock, uh, his, his on-air name was Jim Sears. He worked, uh, he worked at WING and a couple of other radio stations, uh, in the Dayton area. And, and I used to one time, I remember one time I went to the radio station with him and I watched him do his air shift. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And uh, so, so, you know, I thought it was cool that here was a guy who was spinning records and, and being a, you know, a top 40 DJ. So that was, that's kind of what got me into it. But then once I got involved and, and I was at Eastern and, and, you know, through four years of, of going through it, when I came out of college, I was a behind the scenes guy. I was a, my, my main role was producing and directing uh, newscasts and documentaries and that kind of stuff. But when I got out of college, I looked for jobs for about three months, and the only thing that came along was an on-air job at PFB. So I had to put on my on-air hat, and I haven't taken it off since. It's a shame that, you know, hearing uh, PFB, I don't know if they exist anymore or not, but they don't have the play-by-play anymore like they used to. No, no, they still exist. The radio station's still there, and I think they still... I believe they might still do some games, but I'm not sure they they don't do anywhere near what we did. I mean, it was it was rare back then, even in the in the late '70s when I was when I was there. I mean, like they they did all the other stuff, but we'd go to we'd go to the Boys State basketball tournament mm-hmm. in Columbus, whether we had anybody locally playing or not. We would do all the games. On WPFB, well, I mean, we could, you know, we would do, uh, you know, St. Edward out of Cleveland against, uh, you know, somebody out of Columbus. We'd do that semifinal or or final. It was just one of those things. It was, it it really gave me the opportunity to, you know, to to hone my my play by play stuff. And then, luckily, when I came here to to HIO, I did the high school game of the week um, for them for. A couple of years, and then and then once I went over to, to the sports side, I was you know for for eight or nine years I was the color analyst for Dayton basketball TV, and then when McHubert left to go to Florida, I took over as the play-by-play guy. And I did probably I probably did twenty-five years of that, twenty-six, twenty-seven years of, the, of that. We haven't we haven't done Dayton basketball in about five years now because. We uh, let the contract go and, and went in a different direction. So, how much do you miss broadcasting Flyer basketball on TV? I miss it a lot, but you know, I, I miss the I miss the games. But the one thing I really miss, and I did it, I was lucky enough to do it through every coach, uh, you know, through from Donna her own. You know, I, I used to do coaches shows every Sunday, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that that's the one thing I really missed because that was my opportunity to get a look inside Dayton basketball that nobody else really got. Because I would, you know, when, when Donaher was the head coach, Donaher would come in on Sundays, you know, we'd do it live then. And I had, so I'd have to edit the tape of the highlights of, of the games and he'd come, he'd be here before I got here. And, he would sit down and we'd, we'd watch the, he'd watch me cut the tape. And basically it was, it was a coaching view because I'd, I'd cut a highlight and he'd go run that back and I'd cut, I'd run it back for me, run that back again. So what would normally take me about 
a half an hour to cut highlights. Usually took an hour, hour and a half. So we'd, we'd get there. I'd, I would always meet him at like 7.30 in the morning because I knew it was going to take long. You know, And I'd really have to get there early if they hadn't played well that week because it really got to him. And, and, and I knew it was really going to take a lot of time. But, but what I do, what I was getting at from, from uh, Don Donher all the way up to, to Archie Miller, who's the last coach that I worked with, you know, doing coaches shows, you know, those coaches all knew that when we were sitting in my office talking before the coaches show and, and going over tape and that kind of stuff, that anything they said in that office wasn't on the record it was just it was just two of us sitting there talking about basketball and that gave me the opportunity to find out so much and it, and it helped me you know it helped me in my play-by-play stuff because i knew stuff now, i wouldn't say well you know coach donner said this but i'd be able to take the stuff that i heard and turn it around in a broadcast that that gave people an insight that that they probably wouldn't have you got a little insight for your play-by-play and a little bit more knowledge. And you, yeah, uh, a lot. And you got to bring out a great uh, live product at the time, too, for uh, yeah. for fans. Yeah, that's for sure. What has changed from year one at WHIO to today, 2020? Well, technology, I mean, uh, for one thing, but uh, I, I don't know where we would be without the Internet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we survived without the internet you, you know it used to be i'd sit at my desk and and get my 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 sports cast together and i would you know pull up the ap wires and or, you know ap and upi and i'd have i'd have my different wires that i'd you know look for sports on. well we don't even have ap anymore you know i mean i think we do to a certain extent but but it's not the sports ap that we used to have so you know all of my information I'm getting off ESPN, CBSSports.com, Twitter. Uh, I don't get any, you know, get much out of Facebook. Uh, you know, Twitter's a, Twitter's something that's really good to use as far as finding out facts. But the thing about the thing about the internet, obviously, and everybody knows this now, you can't take it as you know the gospel. You've got to, you've got to. Once you see a story, you better you better fact check it three or four times to make sure it's true because there are just some weird people out there that like to post stuff that's not not true. Yeah, but when it is true, social media yeah. and the access of news and rumors and everything, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, that's just it, and that's the weirdest thing too anymore. There's you know in our business anymore, we used to we used to talk about scooping somebody. You know if you, we. If I had a story nobody else had, I scooped somebody. But you really don't scoop anybody anymore because, you know, you may see it on, you know, uh, bleacherreport.com or something like that. And, and you, you still acknowledge that they had it. But it's no big deal that you didn't because there are so many different eyeballs on everything that a, a scoop is not something that, that happens very often. In an average year at WHIO, what all do you cover? Oh gosh, I cover <laughs> I cover baseball. Baseball includes the Reds, the Dragons, high school baseball. Um, you know, all the way to the state tournament. Uh, we we cover softball. 
you know, girls girls softball. Try to cover a little bit of track. Track's one thing that's that's never really it, it's hard it, it it's hard to translate track to TV because it uh, it's just a, a different than than most. So so those are your spring summer sports for the most part. Then we go into the fall, and I've got I've got high school football with touchdown seven that just celebrated thirty years of uh, of doing high school football with with that format. Um, we do University of Dayton football. We do Wittenberg football. Do Central State football um, and and Ohio State. And then the Bengals. I mean, it used to be, used to be when I had staff. I mean, when I when I started this job as the news as the sports director in 1989, I had me and five other people. Wow. Now I've just got I've just got me. And so back in the day when we were doing a lot of stuff, I would send a, if if the Bengals and the Browns were both playing at home, I'd send a crew three and a half hours away up to Cleveland to cover that game, and I'd send somebody else or may, probably me go down to uh, the the Bengals game and cover that one. And we so we did we did a lot more stuff that way. And then of course you jump into basketball and now you know Dayton and Wright State basketball and, and, and we try to get a little bit of Wittenberg in there as well. It's uh it's just so hard anymore to cover um so many teams. We we try to cover some high school soccer for the most part, but you know, like I said, when when you're a one person department there's not a lot of opportunities to to get the stuff that that uh, sometimes is fringe. It's not fringe to people playing it or the parents watching it if it's high school sports. But uh, you know that's that's the other thing. When I first started, I got uh, let's see, I got four minutes at six o'clock in a sports cast and five minutes I think at eleven. Well, now I I don't even do a six o'clock sports Monday through Friday. I only do a weekend six o'clock sports, and and I get three minutes for that. And then my eleven o'clock show is three and a half. I do that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So so those things have changed, and you know, I mean, and you have to remember when I first started this, sports was more important than weather. Sport, you know. Even used to be weather finished up a newscast, you know. Now weather is in three times an hour, half an hour, and sports is the the last thing you see before you know we say goodbye. So a lot of things change thanks to consultants, and that's a shame too. I mean, weather is important, but local sports are too. You see the you see how communities just rise with them, and that's a shame. Yeah, it just all depends. It all depends on how much stock you put into research and, and consultants. And, and we put a lot of stock into it here. We, we, uh, we, our, our research company is, is maggot consultants and they're, they're the biggest in the business and, and they do their research. And, you know, I've, I've been in, I've been in a number of meetings with the maggot people and they, they get tired of me after a while because I've, (laughs) When they, when you're in meetings with people that go, you know, people don't watch local news for sports. They watch ESPN. And I raise my hand and say, huh, I didn't see that Centerville Beaver Creek football game on ESPN. And they'll go, well, you know what I mean. I said, no, I don't. I'm sorry. You know, you're you're wrong on that part. And uh, but they don't want to hear that they're wrong. They they get paid to be right. So. And that's a shame. I mean, you can hear national news on ESPN, but local news, 
yeah, ESPN's not going to cover that. Yeah. Now it's the it's the way it is, and that's the way. Unfortunately, that's the way it's it's going to be. You know, and I don't know, I don't know what's you know, I don't have a good crystal ball. I mean, I've done this for for here for forty one years, and I just turned sixty five, and and frankly, I'm I'm on the I'm on the back very back end of of my career doing this. Once I leave here, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I don't show you know. I don't know that we'll still do sports. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But uh, it all depends on management and what they want to do. You know. So I mean, that's a that's kind of a dicey thing right now, and it's a thing that, thankfully, I don't have to worry about once I leave. You know, that's for somebody else to worry about, not me. Now you have a very popular catchphrase, um, so popular that. <laughs> Former radio talk show host Mark Schlemmer does an impersonation. A bad impersonation, though. A real bad impersonation. Yeah, I I don't like tooting my own horn on my own podcast, but I think I do a little bit better. But what is the history of Stay Right There? Well, the history is, you know, back in the day when I I was doing sports, whether it was 6 or 11 o'clock, we always had a commercial break. In the divided sports, I do the first part of we'd do the first part of our sports cast, and and then I'd have like forty five seconds to a minute coming out of a commercial. So, so basically, I just I just started, you know, I so I'd had I'd have some tease video, mm-hmm. and I'd roll the tease video and I'd talk over it and I'd say, uh, you know, uh, high school basketball gearing up for for another big state tournament run. Got that story coming up next. So stay right there. And it was, it was just a, you know, the stay right there was just that. It was just stay right there. And then, as it developed, I started dragging it out a little bit for whatever, for whatever reason. I didn't. I don't know that I consciously started dragging it out, but it started dragging out, and it kind of became something that people like to hear or most people like to hear but then one day i remember skip hafner came to me and he said uh, he said hey you need to uh, you need to stop saying the the stay right there thing our consultants think it sounds like 1960s radio and i said huh and he said yeah you gotta you just don't say that anymore i said okay fine so i stopped saying it and this was i think this was like in 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 july and he came back to me in the first of September, and he goes, "Hey, uh, never mind. You can go ahead and stay, stay right there again." I said, well, "What changed?" He goes, well, "We got a lot of calls." I said, "Oh, okay. So the consultants weren't right then. Uh, we got a lot of calls. He, they wouldn't say the consultants weren't right, but, uh, but... because because." We got a lot of calls. They decided to let me say it. So, but the thing about it is now, I you know my sportscast is basically, it's all one one thing. It, it, but there's no commercial break. So the only time I get to say "stay right there" anymore is on Saturdays and Sundays because we have a sports tease that runs in the commercial break right before the commercial break before sports. So, so I still get to say it on Saturdays and Sundays, but it's uh, that's about it. It's a shame too, because I remember as a kid that was on <laughs> what every every day. Like yeah, oh yeah. Right there? Oh, 
No, I'd say I'd say it all the time. We, but that's you know that a lot of stuff is a lot of stuff has gone by the way. People that people that have watched us for the time that I've been doing this, they they probably also remember we used to do a, a nightly fishing report, and and it ran. It ran at the end of the show, at the end of Sportscast at 11 o'clock every night. And basically, it was a, a, a solar lunar uh, graph that, that the fishing report was based on the tides, high tide, low tide, mm-hmm. even in Ohio. And so we had this graph, and, you know, I'd say, well, okay, looking, looking to fish tomorrow, it, uh, it's going to be good you know, between uh, two o'clock and, and six o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And, you know, we did, we didn't do it every, we did it like, I want to say March through October, the winter months, you know, I mean, it was obviously a little bit too cold to fish in the winter, but uh, yeah. So people would, people always used to give me a hard time about, you know, Hey, it's all fishing report. You know, and, and there after a while, we turned that into something called fish tales where we'd run the fishing report and then we'd have people send us in pictures of fish they caught. So we'd, we'd show their pictures of fish. So that's, that's what, that's what TV sports is, is always trying to make something out of something else. And I think I've gotten pretty good at that after a while. You also had a podcast with that name. Stay right there too. I did a podcast and I did it for, um, about 10 months, I guess I did a, a weekly podcast and, and it was fun. I enjoyed doing it. I guess it was about, maybe it was about seven or eight months, something like that. I enjoyed doing it, but, but with everything else I had going on my, on my plate, because once again, I, I'm a one person department. Mm-hmm. It was, it got difficult to do. And, uh, I just kind of let it, let it, uh, slide away and nobody, nobody in, in, you know, management has said anything to me about it, so I'm just kind of letting it go, probably for the for the foreseeable future. So, but I enjoyed doing it. Had some some fun guests. I enjoyed listening to it as well. It was neat to hear about the uh, local athletes and everything. Yeah. Now, what are some of your favorite things about Dayton sports and this area of sports? Um, my my favorite stuff that I cover is is high school athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've been lucky enough, you know, when you look at the overall sports thing, I've been lucky enough to cover uh, Dayton in the Elite Eight basketball tournament, NCAA tournament, Mm -hmm. twice. Um, I've been lucky enough to cover the Bengals in two Super Bowls. I covered the Reds wire to, you know, wire to wire in the uh, 1990 World Series. I covered the 1996 Olympics down in Atlanta. I've done a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of different places. But but when it gets right down to it, give me the high school kids. That's what I like to talk about. You know, even though, even though high school kids are a challenge because if you get somebody that can – intelligently talk at their level at 16 17 years old that's you're you're kind of ahead of the game but but i enjoy talking to the kids and and hearing their stories and telling their stories and but you know i mean don't get me wrong the the college and pro stuff is is where the most interest is you know of of sports fans but i but i enjoy the high school stuff more than anything because you know think about think about our job now you know, and it's been this way for 
for 25 years probably at, at least is you know you have to understand doing this this job anymore that the majority of people watching your sportscast don't care about sports they just don't they're just there in the newscast and you're there as they're as they have the newscast on so if I've got a three-and-a-half-minute newscast, I've got to get your attention in the first 30 seconds or I've lost it. So that's that's the hard thing for me, and that's the, that's always been the challenge for me is to grab somebody's attention and keep it. And, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's something a lot of people don't do anymore. You mentioned the Elite Eight for UD, but what are some of your favorite moments and stories getting to cover sports? Um. You know, I've, I've the the most the the toughest one for me because you know I'm, I'm a kid from Waynesville growing up and and I used to go to Crosley Field and watch Pete Rose play, you know, watch the Reds play with Pete Rose when Pete was a rookie, and uh, so the the toughest thing for me was covering Pete being banned from baseball because I you know over my time doing this job I I've gotten to know Pete pretty well and. Uh, Pete's has always been really good to me. So it was it was hard to cover Pete Rose when he was going through that because I guess that's that's the that's probably the first time I ever really and because that happened in what, eighty nine. I was doing sports for like seven years by then. And that's the, that was always the hardest thing. And the thing I learned that that to do this job right you can't be a fan, you know. And, and there, there are still people that do this, that, that do, you know, whether it's sports talk radio or, or TV or whatever, that you can be a fan and your fandom shows through. You really can't do that if you want to be objective and you want to, you want people to really believe that you're being objective in what you're talking about. And, you know, I mean, so many people always thought that I hated Wright State because I was a Dayton guy because I did the Dayton basketball games. Well, that was my job. My job was to do play-by-play of Dayton basketball on TV. So was I a Dayton fan? Sure. But I've always been a Wright State fan, too, even back to the days with Ralph Underhill. Ralph Underhill and Jim Brown, you know, when they were coaching, that was that was a whole lot of fun to cover those those guys and their teams. But, you know... All the right state people always used to say, "Ah, oh, he's a right state. He's a Dayton guy, not a right state guy." But uh, you know, the thing about it is, you can't please everybody in this business, and and if you try too hard at it, you're going to fail at what you what you really want to do. It is a shame, but yeah, absolutely. Especially when Vitaly uh, Potapenko was at Wright State and the Division Two <laughs> National Championship, that was a lot of fun. I bet. Yeah, now the Division Two National Championship. I was, I that was that was I was on the very beginning of my sports career when that was happening. So they were still playing in the old PE building, and uh, you know I can remember going out to to cover some of those games, and you know they they didn't have didn't have much in the way of crowds back then, but once they started getting really good, they packed that place, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but that was yeah that was that was a fun time to cover and you know I mean there there have been so many opportunities I mean I've been to 
I've been to Maui three times with with Dayton basketball. I've been, you know, I've I've gotten to do a lot of stuff that this uh, this kid from Waynesville never thought that he would uh, would ever get to do. So it's uh, I've, I've been pretty pretty lucky. Now, how has the coronavirus affected you and your job? Oh well, you know, I mean, I was I I've come in every day during the whole thing. We've had a lot of people work from home, but I've pretty much been in every day to to get stuff done. And I, you know, when it first hit, sports went away. I I did some sports for a couple of weeks, and then. My boss said, Mike, what are we going to do here? I need some help on news. And I said, well, that's me. So I started covering news stories. And, and, you know, I did that for, like I said, six, seven weeks. And then once things started to get kind of, I want to say normal because it's not normal now. Mm-hmm. But once, once things started to, to quiet down a little bit, I went to him and I said, you know, I really need to start doing sports again on a on a regular basis and back to my normal shift and i did and and so now you know we're to a point now where you know the pga tour is coming back this week and and you know nascar is going to start on sunday with people in the stands and you know i i think that i think that things are going to start leveling off a little bit you know the, the thing that scares me a little bit is is to see what happens with football season and then couple that with what's going to happen in basketball season. Are we going to get 13,000 fans a night at UD at the arena? I doubt it. I don't know that. I don't know that that's going to be ready to be done in November, but, uh, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think there was, there was much hope that, uh, I mean, you talked to me three weeks ago and asked me if, I thought that high school football would start on time. And I, I would have told you no way because I didn't think any high school was going to get back to school before the first of September. But now I think, I think we might be pretty close to on time with all that stuff. What the games are going to look like. I don't know as far as fans and stands, but I think there will be some, I just don't know how many. I hope so. Cause I'm looking forward to this high school football season. And, yeah, and going down Cincinnati and doing play-by-play. So we shall see. We shall see. Just a few more questions. Okay. Uh, for those interested in joining the broadcasting field, what advice can you give someone? Um, look elsewhere. No, just kidding. <laughs> You're the first um, person that said that. the The business is the business is not what it used to be. I, there are so many people that. There's still a lot of people out there that that look and go, um, you know, I love sports and I I know more about sports than anybody does. Well, that's great, but you also have to have the ability to tell a story, mm-hmm. and you know, so many people just want to get in there and and do a story and and tell you this stat compared to this stat and this is that this is what happened that's not that that's not sports anymore because that's going to bore people to tears and they're going to turn you off because like i said most of the people watching you in a sportscast are not sports fans they're just viewers 
and uh, so you have to you have to work around them and and be able to you know to present your product the right way what do i tell people that want to do this well you know you have to be open to a lot of things if you're going to school for a broadcasting degree you better come out with your degree a with some experience on campus and through some internships which are harder to do now that that we have COVID 19 but the thing about it is you also have to you can't be you can't have that tunnel vision of i'm doing sports you've got to be willing to do news and do this and do that because the days of, of people specializing in sports are gone. Um, even when I started back in, back in 1979, when I first came up, you know, at, at PFB and then, then came here in the early eighties, I came here as a sport, as a, a newsroom. And I just kind of bided my time. I let them know that I'd like to do sports if they wanted me to. And, that's how I got a job. I went from news to sports. So it's still the same. You still have to have an open mind. The business is, but you have to understand the business is not what it used to be and it never will be again. You know, I mean, the sports side of things is a part of our business in the TV side that is losing popularity with an audience. I mean, that's what research research shows us, whether it's, whether I agree with consultants or not, that's what research shows us. So you have to have the ability to be flexible. I mean, yeah, you can, you can want to do sports, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that is harder and harder every year to find jobs and be able to do it. As a longtime media worker in Dayton, what would you like to see in the market in terms of sports and media in the near future? Um, you know, I've I've preached this to a lot of people, and maybe it will maybe it will happen now because of what we've gone through with the corona, coronavirus. You know, I've told I've told our smaller schools as far as colleges go. Uh, for years that like, you know, with Wittenberg and even Wright State and Dayton to a certain extent, when you're looking at less yet lesser sports, I've always told them that the easier you can make my job for me, the better off you're going to be. In other words, if you can send somebody in the sports information department out with a camera and get me uh, some video of, of, you know, the, the women's softball team practicing and then do a couple of quick interviews with the coach and a player and send that to me, you know, somehow in, in an email or whatever, I'm probably going to use that. Now, I'm not going to have the ability to get out there and get that because I'm a one-person department. But if you can send it to me, and this, this, this goes for high school athletes and everything else. You know, I can't get to a lot of different high schools to do previews for your season or your tournament or whatever. But if, if you can send it to me, shoot it and send it to me, it's probably going to have a really good chance to get on, on TV. And that's the thing that's, that's really changing. The thing that, that's even more important now, you know, 
we have this streaming channel now, WHO streaming channel, mm-hmm. and we have the ability to put a lot of stuff on the streaming channel that I don't even have time for to put on on uh, you know, the TV sportscast. So that's the thing that's going to change the most. But the thing about it is, it will be it will be changing long after I'm gone from this job, you know, and and you just don't know where it's going. Five years from now. I'm not sure what sport what sports on a local TV newscast will look like. I have I have my doubts that it it will even look remotely like it does now. I don't know. Mike, we'll see. Mike, how can people watch your work and follow you on social media? Um, I'm you know I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm uh, I try to be on Instagram a little bit, but I don't get that format all that much um, as far as my interest in what you know i am on twitter more than i'm on most things because uh, because i think it 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 adds to what we do in our business i think it's more it's more of a sports thing so um i'm at uh, at m heartsock whio on twitter and uh, and so I think it's similar to that. If you just search Mike Hartsock on on Twitter or Facebook, you'll find you'll find both of them. Um, but uh, but that's primarily where I'm at on social media. I don't do as much as my bosses would like me to, but uh, because you know, fact of the matter is, I'm an old guy, and I uh, the the new tricks of social media are uh, are kind of kind of difficult for me sometimes but uh, but i i still enjoy doing them and then of course i'm on i'm on uh, you know the newscasts uh, wednesday through saturdays through sunday last question and this one uh, i remember watching it while i was in high school what happened to the touchdown seven chopper uh, well, that wasn't it. Wasn't really a touchdown seven chopper. It was a channel seven chopper. Right, we right. used it for we used it for a variety of different things. And gosh, you know how many how many years? It's probably been ten, twelve years that it's been gone. Um, and uh, it was just it was a money thing. Wow. You know, the, the the chopper cost us. I'm I'm wanting to say it cost us a half a million dollars a year to use that helicopter we had we had a certain number of hours that we were contracted for using it so and sports was a part of that and um, you know so we were able to use it with that but uh, anymore it's just i mean there are very very few stations that have helicopters that they use anymore and i mean hell we've got uh, we don't have we don't have a, a helicopter anymore but we've got five drones i think so we we have a lot of people and me not me not included but we have a lot of people that fly drones and and you know but the rules with drones are a little bit different uh because you have to watch yourself where you fly over crowds and that kind of stuff but, no i enjoyed the chopper that made my years of doing it because it was i i was never obviously a pilot but i learned a lot about helicopter flying in the in the time that i was was able to get up in one I think the last time the Channel Seven chopper landed at Valley View, I think it was yeah. Spartans versus Fairborn in two thousand four, and the Skyhawks That's, won that game pretty handedly. That sounds about right, but uh, it, it, it's you know for the most part it was a it was a good time. I'll leave you with my one uh, my one helicopter story that that I tell from time to time when I 
I was flying. We were flying one night. We were we were going to Greenville mm-hmm. on a Friday night for a game, and and we we you know I, whenever I would do these preparations, I would I would call the athletic director and I would say you know are there any wires going across the field that we need to be aware of, and they would usually say no. But then I would always send my send the pilot out to kind of do a a drive by so he could make sure and take a, a closer look. Well, he always would do that on Fridays. That Friday, we were busy with some, whatever story, some kind of breaking news story. We had the helicopter. He couldn't get out there. So he picks me up, and not, it, it was later in the year. It was kind of around you know, where dusk was setting in at the time. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're coming in over the, the stadium out there in Greenville. You know, I always had this thing. We had a, a Bell Jet Ranger helicopter, a bigger, larger helicopter. Whenever we would come in, I would – we'd always come in over one end zone, or whether it's scoreboard or not, but we'd come over the one end zone of the goalpost, and I would always turn turn around and look just to make sure the tail rotor was going to clear the, the goalpost. It wasn't my responsibility because I wasn't the pilot. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. But So I did that that time, and I turned back around, and all of a sudden right in front of us is a wire. Oh. And I, I looked at the pilot. He didn't see it. And I said, John, there's a wire. I may have used a couple of other colorful words there. But I said, John, there's a wire. And he looks at it and goes, oh, sh-, you know, and he yanks back on the stick. And we're, we're, we're you know, taxiing down, landing down, cruising in. And all of a sudden, the helicopter goes in, and makes a big dive back because he pulled back the stick so to, to pull us up well it was too late and we were too close to the wire we caught the wire in the landing skids and uh, just luckily it was a pa wire so it was you know a little tiny wire for the most part it had it been a power a wire we would have been down i probably would have been dead or, or hurt really bad so we, if it turns out to be a PA wire, and it was held on either side of the field with a wooden on a wooden pole, hmm. so we cut this wire, and it goes zing zing on either side, <laughs> and, and these these if you can imagine a wooden light pole, hmm. and they start they didn't have lights these didn't have lights on it was just for the the PA wire. The poles start wavering back and forth because we had we had tension we had on it it you know had tightened up and then it finally snapped so the the poles are waving back and forth we go on and land and normally when chopper seven lands people were were cheering for delight you know chopper seven was bringing in the game ball that night people were running in terror out of the stands because the pole didn't they didn't know if the poles were going to collapse or what you know and so I get out of the chopper with the game ball. Normally I carried it to the cheerleaders. Well, this time I carried it over to the athletic director and I handed him the game ball. And I said, I thought you said there weren't any wires up there. And he goes, yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> See, I've, so, I've heard that. And I was wondering yeah. if that was a rumor or not. It's like, hmm. no, it's a true story. Man. True story. There, there, aren't, there haven't been many times in 41 years where my life has flashed before my eyes. But that was one that night. 
you know, he just didn't know what the heck was going to happen, whether you were going to go down on your nose or, you know, happen what happened. We just cut the wire and landed on down. So, but that's uh, that's a a big part of a of a a memory in 41 years of doing this. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. If I could ask one more favor, can you give me a stay right there? Yeah, sure enough. Uh, you know, it's 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 been one of those things that when you do this job long enough and everybody asks you how long you're going to do it, you say, well, I don't know. I've still got a few in me, but uh, but I don't have many in me. But for those of you people who have been listening and watching for 41 years, I appreciate it. And for the for the the months ahead when I'm still going to be doing this, please stay right there. Thank you so much, Mike. And this Hi, is thanks, Lee. This has been episode 157 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for episode 158. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mallon's mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.